Good morning, everyone. Well, you guys are so awesome. I look out here and all I see is just awesome people. It is such a privilege to be here. In fact, would you just look over at somebody and just say, hey, man, you're so awesome. Okay, now let's do it like you really mean it. I, I would ask that you would uh, pray for uh, Jessica this morning. Uh, she came in last night from work and didn't feel well. Called me this morning when I was here at the church, and, and uh, I could barely hear a whisper. She has laryngitis. She's sick, and uh, she has like four or five sets this week that she has to do. So would you pray that the Lord would bring her voice back, and uh, if not, the, the kingdom is going to be short somebody this week. So... Uh, but pray for her if you would. And then uh, and pray that uh, Nancy's not here today. Uh, she is in California for about four days. She's helping Lauren because her husband is, is gone on a, on a business trip. So she is helping with the grandson. And I know she's really struggling with that. And I, ha I have a testimony on that. It was really exciting because Lauren wanted her to go. And we didn't have any money to send her. And uh, I just kind of felt like, hey, look at this old card that you have, an old credit card that you had. And, and I had enough points on there for $36 I was able to get her round trip. So God's good, isn't it? The bad news is I've never heard of fly-by-night airlines. So, uh, <laughs> but it was really, it was really, and then Miranda's going to be gone a couple of days this week. So I have the grandkids by myself. And I heard, I heard Nancy telling them, now make sure Poppy feeds you. Just because I've forgotten three or four times. Ah. Anyway, I want to talk to you today about something that will revolutionize your life. It will change you, transform you. It will make you more like Christ. I want to talk to you about the power of forgiveness. You have in your possession the ability to forgive. You can forgive anybody of anything. Forgiveness is one of those things that is freeing to the mind and to the heart. I know it, I was reading a, a story this week in 2009. There was a doctor named Chuck Sandstrom. He had a couple of rental properties in the Akron, Ohio area. And one of his tenants had called and said there is an unregistered car that is parked in one of the spots. So they tried to find the owner of the car couldn't find the owner, so he called and had, was going to have the car towed off of the property. And while he was there with the, with the guy that was going to uh, tow the car off, the owner came up, intoxicated, and was outraged that he was going to tow his car. And he was so outraged that he hit the doctor, broke his nose, knocked out his teeth, and he, he was standing by a brick wall, and he hit him so hard, his head hit the brick wall, and the doctor was in a coma for six weeks. When he awoke from the coma, he could barely speak. In fact, to this day, he has a speech impediment because he has had permanent brain damage in that area of his, of his brain, his speech and communication he, they lost their home because of it. They lost his, he could no longer practice medicine because of it. And yet, when they found the man that did it, 
this doctor and his wife shifted from the prosecution over to the defense and asked the judge for leniency on the man. That he would be able to be able to have a lighter sentence and be able to be able to go to school while he was in prison. Unbelievable. But it doesn't stop there. For a few weeks later, while in service, this man's girlfriend and, 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 their, her, and his two kids came to church and she read an open apology to him in front of the church which they received and they also received the family to make a long story short this man this doctor that was hurt that was injured is now making sure that this man's sons his two children are in school that they're being taken care of that they're being ministered to that they know jesus and he is working diligently to to train this guy that did this to him so he could have a life when he gets out of prison that is forgiveness He has, a, he has a website if you want to look it up on, and, and it's just story after story of people that have chosen to forgive. Forgiveness will revolutionize your life. In the passage of scripture that we just read, uh, right before that in verses 10 through 14 of, of uh, Matthew 18, Jesus had told the disciples, they were talking about people, and Jesus told the, the disciples how much people really meant to him. And he gave them the story of the, of the hundred sheep and the, and the one was lost. So the shepherd left the ninety and nine and, and went and found the one sheep. And, and it seems like in this story, Peter understood that. He got it. He said, okay, people matter a lot to God. So he comes up to Jesus and he says, Jesus, how many times should I forgive my neighbor? Now the rabbi, if he had gone to him, the rabbinic uh, understanding was three times. You forgive somebody three times, and that's it. After that, they're done. But Peter says, I think I'm going to do a one-up on, on the rabbis. I'm going to use seven times, because seven was the number of completion. It was a perfect time. So Peter comes up and says, Lord, how many times should I forgive my neighbor that sins against me? Seven times? Because after all, the rabbis only do it three. I'm saying seven. What do you say? And Jesus said, 77 or 70 times seven, however you want to translate that. Here's the point. Jesus was helping Peter understand. Peter, you're looking at forgiveness as a numeric value. You're looking at it from a carnal perspective that says, I have to, I'm obligated to forgive somebody X amount of times and I keep marking it off and after that then I don't have to forgive them anymore but Jesus wasn't talking about numerical obligation Jesus was talking about a condition of the heart because no one that I know of needs to be forgiven that many times each day 
See, forgiveness doesn't change the facts of the, of the world that we live in. Forgiveness changes the way we see those facts. So when Peter came to Jesus, he was looking at it from a, from a human perspective. He was looking at forgiveness from, oh man, I have to, I have to forgive them. I have to just say, okay, it's okay, and, and I have to go on. But Jesus wasn't looking at it from that perspective. And he gave us this parable to help illustrate what forgiveness really is. And if you look at the scripture, I think it's going to go. Well, maybe it won't. In the, in the passage of scripture, in, in Matthew 18, 21 and 22, when Peter came up to him and he said 70 times 7, then Jesus goes on and he says, For this reason the kingdom of heaven may be compared to a certain king who wished to settle accounts with his servants. Now, you have to keep in mind, this is a parable. Jesus is talking. The king represents God. The servants represent believers or God's children, you and I. And, and he said, the king came and, and, and he wanted to settle accounts. And when he had begun to settle them, there was brought to him one who owed him 10,000 talents. Now, if you translate that out in today's economy, it's millions upon millions of dollars. Here's the point. That our relationship with God is based on forgiveness. All of us owe a debt that we could not repay. The debt of sin is so great. It's so overwhelming. It's so encompassing that it was not only keeping you in the prison, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. It was a debt that none of us can afford to pay. None of us have the intellect or the, or the education or the finance or the ability or the looks or whatever you think it may take to pay that debt. It was impossible for you and I to pay that debt. That's why Christ came because the scripture says it's impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to remit or to wash away sins. But that's why Christ came. For God so loved the world that he gave Christ. Christ died that you and I could be pardoned, that our debt was wiped clean. Wow. Let's go on. But since he did not have the means to repay... His Lord commanded him to be sold along with his wife and children and all that he had and repayment to be made. And the, and the servant, therefore falling down, worshipped him, saying, Have patience with me and I will repay everything. And the Lord of that servant, get this, felt compassion. And he forgave him everything. Which tells me a couple of things. Number one is this. God has compassion on the repentant heart. Notice that the man fell down and was sincere and begged and said, I cannot pay this if you just let, give me some grace. And, and God said, or the, the, servant, the master said, I'll forgive you. True forgiveness always comes through repentance and confession. True repentance. 
not just saying, oh God, I messed up, so okay, I'm going to go on. But there's something about sin that requires us to be sober and real about the things or the issues in our lives. I know we speak a lot about God's grace and a lot of God's goodness, and, and we rightfully so, because God is gracious and God is good and God will pardon sin. God will cast it out. But the scripture also says that godly sorrow works repentance. Repentance is a change of mind, change of heart, change of philosophy, change of everything in us. It's going from one side to the other. And, and that doesn't happen just by mental intellect. It comes from a sobering understanding that the things that I've done in my life are displeasing to God. I cannot remove them. The only way that I can have them removed is through the blood of Christ to be applied to my life. And when we do that, when we bow our knee and we say, Lord, you're everything. I can't pay this debt. I can't live this life. This life is too overwhelming for me. This life is crushing me. This life is bringing me down. When we get to that place that says, God, I need you, God moves with compassion upon us and will pardon us and forgive us and cleanse us and make us whole. But it comes through our willingness to look at ourselves and understand, wow, we have this, this debt that we cannot pay. God has compassion. God's response is to re release all debt. Aren't you thankful for that? Aren't you glad? Psalm 34, 18 says, God forgives all that have a broken heart. You want to be forgiven? Allow the, the trespasses against God to break your heart. Get to that place within your own self that you say, God, I, I am so sorry. I am so sorry for the things that I have done. I know I know when he cleanses you, it, it's just an amazing feeling. But repentance requires that sorrow on our part. And God forgives, not out of obligation, but from his nature. Psalm 86, 5 says, For thou, Lord, art good and ready to forgive, and abundant loving kindness to all of them that call upon you. God loves to forgive. God is a forgiving God. He understands who we are, where we are, how we have gotten here. And he also understands that he has made a provision for us to escape this world and to live in eternity with him. And he is looking for those hearts that will simply say, God, I need your help. The Lord is close to the brokenhearted. He rescues those who are crushed in spirit. Psalm 51, 17 says, The sacrifice you want is a broken heart. A broken and repentant heart, O God, you will not despise. I, I want to encourage you today, if you're here and you have a, a, a life, uh, that there's something in your life that is not right with God, I want to encourage you, if you'll go to him with honesty and sincerity and say, God, I can't, I can't deal with this. I need your help. I need your forgiveness. He will rush to you and give you the, the, the blessing of forgiveness that you're seeking. Because God is gracious. He is a forgiving God. It's not just something he does. It's something he is. It's his very nature. 
let's go on. But then in, in this story, it, it's really amazing that one of the key players, this man that was forgiven millions and millions and millions and millions of dollars, right? Here he is, and he's forgiven millions. And here's what the scripture says after he's forgiven. After, after the, 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 his master has said, okay, I'm not only going to give you some extra time, I'm just going to take it all away. You don't even have to worry about it anymore. You don't have to even have a debt. Woo! Don't you love that? Have you ever paid off a car? Oh! Take that, GM. Oh! You know, and you feel great. It's like that, man, I'm, I'm going to drive this car until the wheels fall off. It's like, yes, and I may even drive it on the rims after that. I don't know. But I just, I love paying things off. Or you pay off a, a bill. It's like, yes! It's great because you no longer have that responsibility, that obligation on you. It's, and that's, can you imagine owing millions upon millions of dollars and who you owe it to says, hey, it's all gone. Don't even worry about it. I'm not much of a dancer, but I would be then. You may not like to dance, but I would enjoy it. I can't imagine. And if we could wrap our minds around the fact that when, when God pardons us, it's greater than any of the money, all the money in the world. Because he's giving us eternal life. But here's this man. He's been forgiven all these millions of dollars. And he says, but the, slave, the servant that went out and found one of his fellow servants who owed him a hundred denarii. He owed him a, I don't know, a couple of months pay. Not much. Something that's doable. And he said, and he seized him and began to choke him. Give me back my money. Pay back what you owe. So his fellow servant fell down and began to, to beg him and saying, have patience with me and I'll repay. And he was unwilling to do it. And he threw him in prison. You've got to get this. Because this, this is a parable. This is, this is what Jesus is teaching us about forgiveness. First, he helps us understand that we have been forgiven a debt that's been far greater than anything that we could have ever paid. And then he compares it to this other man that owes him. And he says, basically, if you... Compare what God has done for you to what others have done to you. Forgiveness should be in your grasp. But when we're looking at it as a numerical value, or we're looking at it through our human understanding that, that a person hurt me, that a person sinned against me, that a person has said something about me, that a person did something to me, we will harbor it and it will bind us, and we will be the prisoner of unforgiveness and jealousy and hatred and animosity in our lives. But when we allow the grace of God to be poured into our life, and we, are, we allow God to say, because God forgave us, I can forgive others, just like this Dr. Chuck Sandstrom. When we are willing to allow things to go, and, and, and those that have offended us, when we are willing to forgive, to set it free, to, to send it away, it frees us, it opens us up, and we can live a life of joy and peace and goodness. Just because 
we have adopted what Christ has said to us, that we should live a life of repentance, uh, of forgiveness. Here's the Lord's response to that one that was unforgiving. He said, so when his fellow servants saw what had happened, they were deeply grieved and came reported to to the Lord all that had happened. I, I will tell you, the Lord doesn't need us to report, but it's all right to tell him. He knows. He knows our heart. He knows when we are struggling with forgiveness or not struggling with forgiveness. Then then summoning him, his Lord said, You're a wicked servant, and I forgave you all of this debt because you asked me to, you begged me to. And should not you have had mercy on your fellow servant? So he throws him in, in prison. And then this is what Jesus says at the very end. He says, so shall my heavenly father also do to you, Peter, to you, John, to you, followers of Christ, if each of you does not forgive his brother from your heart. Wow. From your heart. Forgiveness. Forgiveness is an integral part of the Christian faith and the Christian life. Unforgiving hearts are a challenge to our Christianity because God will constantly work to help you understand that the things of this life are temporal and what's happened to you, and I'm not, I'm not diminishing anything that's happened to you in your life, please understand that, but what I am saying to you that it doesn't matter what has happened to you, the grace of God is greater and you can walk away from it. You do not have to be a victim of unforgiveness. You can allow it to to be sent away. You can send it away and you can be set free today. All you have to do is reconcile the fact that, that God has done so much more for me and it doesn't matter the things that have happened in this life. When the life to come is there, all things will be made right. Living this life of forgiveness requires this eternal perspective. As long as we have our eyes here, we're not going to be able to forgive. But when we have our eyes on Jesus, the one that died for us as we get in, as we're moving toward this Easter season, and as he was on the cross and he said, Father, forgive them. They just don't know what they're doing breaks my heart when I see people do things that are just egregious, sinful, evil. It breaks my heart because I know if they don't change their ways, eternity will not be well for them. See, God's forgiveness in our lives is connected to our willingness to forgive. Matthew 6, 15. But if you do not forgive men their sins your father will not forgive yours. I don't know about you, but I want everything in my life just to be forgiven, blotted out. And I, I want everything to be gone. I want a life of forgiveness, don't you? We are called to be like Jesus. This is what Jesus said about forgiveness in Luke 6, 37. Do not judge 
and you will not be judged. Don't judge. Don't judge people, and you will not be judged. It's easier to say I'm not going to judge somebody than it is to literally not judge somebody. Because the human condition says we judge people by what we say, where we live, the clothes we wear, the places we go, the car you drive, the house you live in. We judge people. We, that's what we do. But Jesus said if you don't judge somebody, if you're not going to be the judge to pass a verdict on somebody, then, then you're not going to be judged. And if you do not condemn somebody, then, then I'm not going to condemn you. Don't you love that? And then he ends up and says, if you forgive, if you forgive, you will be forgiven. Not might be, not can be, but will be. It's, it's sure. If you forgive, you will be forgiven. If you will forgive others, then, then everything in your life will be forgiven. Wow. I'm going to ask our praise team to come. And uh, would you stand with me, please, as they make their way? I I'm going to make an open confession to you. I, uh, that story that I read about Dr. Chuck Sandstrom would require an amazing amount of forgiveness. And in my heart, I say, I would like to be able to forgive, even in that situation. But I just, I don't think you know until you've actually been there. But I do know this, that I'm looking at a congregation of people that have been hurt in their lives. I know that because you're human. And you've not only been hurt, you have hurt others, sometimes intentionally and sometimes without your knowledge. This is part of the human condition that we live in. But can I encourage you today, whatever it is, betrayal, if somebody has betrayed you, if, if somebody has sexually abused you, verbally abused you, physically abused you, financially abused you, if you have been a victim of somebody else's sinfulness, you can be set free today. Because it's not about them coming to you and saying, oh, I need to have forgiveness before forgiveness is given. Forgiveness is on our part that sets us free. And I want to live that victorious life in Christ that is free, that I can look at anybody, any, any person and say, I have nothing in my heart toward them. If you're here today and you have been wrestling with forgiveness, would you just let it go?